Give him a good shout of praise if you're ready to celebrate who he is in your life. Amen, amen. As you're being seated this morning, hey, I wanted to start this sermon like that this morning because so many times in our life we say Christmas is the season of joy. It's the season of Advent, the expected preparation for a time of celebration. But all we are is concerned and worried about what we got to do yet. And I want us to start celebrating everything that God's done in our life, who he is, who he's called you to be, and all that you're going to do in the next phase of your life. But I do believe this, if we don't give God proper praise for what he's done, we're going to struggle to get to where we're truly called to be. Because I know the God who got me from where I was to where I am is the same God who's going to get me from where I am to where he's calling me to be. And so as you would, open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 1. As you're turning in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 1 this morning, a couple quick announcements. Our Christmas Eve services, December 24th, we're having two services on Sunday morning. We're having an 8.30 service and a 10.30 service on Sunday morning, but then we're going to have our midnight Christmas service. It's going to start at 11 p.m. that Christmas Eve night where we bring in Christmas together as the body of Christ. And so we want to encourage you to make one of those morning services, if not both morning services, and also make it to that 11 p.m. service that we're going to do in so it's going to be an amazing time. That, that midnight Christmas service is always one of our funnest services of the year, and we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Also, I want to inform you on something that is going on in January, starting Wednesday night, January 10th, at Fee, after Feed My Sheep as a church. We are starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yeah, th thank you. That's what I was hoping for, the, the resounding applause of excitement of 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know, I believe as a church, as the body of Christ, if we're going to see amazing breakthrough like we've never had, we need to do some amazing things that we've never done by faith. Amen. I believe when you commit 21 days to God in prayer and fasting, he's going to revolutionize not just your life, but the church's life. So I believe that as you get ready for 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm not telling you you've got to do a complete fast where you just drink water for 21 days. Fast something. Fast something in your life. Fast that coffee every single morning. Okay, you would have you, you thought I just cussed at somebody in church. I mean, y'all are like, y'all the blank stare on your faces. Here's even a worse one. Uh, John, why don't we fast Dr. Pepper, right, for 21 days? Come on now. Listen, it's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost you something. And everybody says, oh, God, do something amazing. But, but I'll give up a, a, a Pop-Tart that I've never eaten in the past 10 years anyway. So I'll give up something that doesn't really affect me. No, the thing about a fast is it's supposed to affect you. You're supposed to be cognizant of it. And so on that um, July or January 3rd, we're going to do a message. That's a Wednesday night, January 3rd, on fasting, a proper way to fast, how to get your heart right and prepared for a fast. On January 10th, after Feed My Sheep, we're going into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And on January 31st, it's also a Wednesday night. We're going to break the fast as a church with Feed My Sheep that night. And so we want you to come and celebrate 21 days of prayer and fasting with TWBC. And I'm telling you about it far enough in advance <laughs> so you can start working your calendar around things. Heaven forbid we should just our calendar around God instead of fit God into our calendar. Come on. Prayer and fasting. This is putting God first in your life in the first month of the year to see breakthrough for the next 11 months of the year. 
And I believe we're going to experience some major amazing breakthrough as a church, spiritually, physically, financially, where people are set free, where people are transformed, where lives are changed, where souls are saved. I'm believing that that true um, Holy Spirit revival begins to happen like we've never seen it. We, I think we've uh, experienced the... Um, the, the forerunning of a revival, does that make sense? We baptized hundred, over 100 people this year. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We've seen multiple souls saved, multiple lives changed. But, but, but I think we're just on the verge of seeing it happen. I don't believe we're in the middle of it. You, you know, it's kind of like the, the tremors before a major earthquake. You know, it's just the start of something. I believe we're just at the start of something, and 21 days of prayer and fasting is going to truly kick it off, and so we're excited about that. And so as you're turning in your Bible to Luke chapter number 1 this morning, I want to say a special welcome to all the visitors who are here with us today. And if you don't have a church home, I want to say welcome home. I want you planted at TWBC. I'm not going to be ashamed about it. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, if you would like to be no I want you here <laughs> amen I want you planted because the Bible gives this promise those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God in Psalm uh, 92 13 and so I know that if you get planted here there's going to be a blessing that's able to come into your life if you're not planted here you know, uh, th that you wouldn't get if you're not planted here. So I want you to get planted. I want you to be bold about loving TWBC. I want you to make a commitment not to a church, but to God that you'll serve him in a place where you can be planted for the long haul and watch how God begins to transform your life. And so if you are visiting with us this morning, I want to say welcome to you. I'm so glad that you're here. If you would do us a favor, take that card out of the chair in front of you, fill it out, bring it to either worship or information center on either side of the worship center. Immediately following the service, we got a gift for you from the church, information about TWBC, because we do want you planted right here with us. And now we want to take a moment and celebrate all of our TWBC kids. Our directors are ready for you guys at the back. Y'all give our kids a big hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. We know our kids are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God has great and mighty plans for their life. There'll be leaders on this earth and leaders among this generation and the next, and I love seeing what God is doing with our TWBC kids, also what he's doing with Rage and Radiate student ministry. Y'all give Rage and Radiate a hand clap of praise over there. Amen. I love seeing high school kids up at 830 in the morning worshiping Jesus. Amen. Man, a lot of kids sleep in, and they come if they feel like it. Man, we got high school students that are here worshiping Jesus at 8.30 in the morning. And I believe that should be applauded and recognized, amen? And so I'm proud of Pastor Corey and Pastor Damon and the great job they did last week. Some of you are on the mountain. Some of you are in the valley. Either way, God's with you in both places. Can I get an amen? And God did an amazing message through them last week as he did uh, Pastor Jeff and um, one of our elders, John, read the week before. And today's going to be no different. We're in a series called Sam T. Cirque. Who is Sam T. Cirque? Sam T. Cirque is just this. It's Christmas spelled backwards. We want this year for you to figure out who you are worshiping and why you're worshiping him. And we want you to get really familiar with Jesus Christ and the Son of the living God and who he is and why you're worshiping him. And as you're found in your Bible, Luke chapter number 1, verse 26, remember we got three more weeks in the year to raise eternal and community hope as we've watched God do amazing things throughout the past year. Don't forget all the opportunities you have to, to ignite nations around the world, impact a four-state area, and influence or change the culture uh, of our community. And can I just stop for a minute and say how great it's been to change the culture of a community? You know how amazing that's been? Do you realize over the summer we redid 15 teachers' lounges throughout the whole Northeast Texas area and impacted the ones that impact the most? Those are our students. Man, can, and, and then we, we changed the whole city ordinance in our city. Come on now, that's worthwhile of celebrating. And then we fed over uh, 1,100 people at Thanksgiving, praise God. 
I mean, that's amazing also. And God's been doing awesome and amazing things through the compassion experience that came here this past weekend with, with our churches. Man, God is using us to influence or change the culture of a community. And you're doing it every single day that you wake up and just go live and be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give God a big hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. So as you found in your Bible, Luke chapter number 1, verse number 26, the title of this morning's message is An Anointed Mess. An Anointed Mess is the title of this morning's message. And the Bible says this in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Everybody say Mary. Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and then tried to discern the sort of greeting that this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. And he will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be, called, be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived and is giving birth in her sixth month with her, the one who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am your servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. As we jump into this morning's message, I want to I recap what we talked about uh, a couple messages ago, and that is the term Advent. The term Advent, you know, if you ever were raised in a Methodist church or a Lutheran church or a, an Episcopal church or any of those churches, or if you were Catholic, the term Advent was a big term. In some of your other circles, the, the, the Baptist circles, it's mentioned from time to time. But in the, in the Methodist and the liturgical style churches, that term Advent is a big term. And I want to explain what the definition of Advent is. The official definition of Advent is this. It is the season observed by many Christian churches as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the nativity of Jesus at Christmas time. And I believe this, every believer in your life, you should have an advent preparing you for the next season that God is bringing you into. You should have a time of preparation for the celebration of what Jesus is going to do in your life. Amen? You should be preparing. This is why 21 days of prayer and fasting is so important. You're having a time of preparation for the celebration for the next 11 months of the year. Amen? God's going to do something amazing in your life. Advent is the preparation for the celebration. And I want to encourage you as we go into this message, you have to have an advent to get to an event in your life. Okay? You've got to have a time of preparation and celebration that God will bring you through. You've got to have an advent to get to an event in your life. And as you're getting ready for the event, I don't want you to, or I don't want you to dread the advent. <laughs> right? Come on now. Are y'all with me this morning? See, some of us, we dread the advent, but we, want, we desperately want the event. You dread preparing for the wedding, but you definitely want to get married. Can I get an amen? amen. If, if you're not already married, let me qualify that. In high school, you, you're so excited for graduation day, but you don't like the advent leading up to graduation called the senior year because you're so ready to get out. Then when you turn 21, you realize how good you had it back at home. Yeah. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. 
Am I the only one who's been there? And so you've got to have an advent to get you to an event in your life. Also, some of us are part of an event because of someone else's advent. Some of you get to be a part of an event because somebody else had a time of preparation and celebration. And so you get to be a part of an event because of their advent. Your salvation experience was an event because of someone else's advent. Number one, Jesus Christ, amen, his death, burial, resurrection, and, and, and ascension, and then the coming of the Holy Spirit, you know, I mean, that was an uh, advent, so you could have your salvation event, but also even more prior to that, I believe, and I can almost guarantee you, somebody prayed for your salvation before you got saved. Somebody else's advent gave you a great event, amen. All the praise and worship team time and preparation for a Sunday morning worship service, you got to be a part of an event for the worship team's advent, their time and preparation. Y'all give our worship team a hand clap of praise, amen? And so I want to encourage you, some of you don't realize how truly blessed you are because of an event that happens in your life. Somebody else was spending years in an advent to get you to an event. And I believe that God is doing something amazing in your life right now as an advent to get you to an event. Now, what is your advent? What is your part of doing? Believing God is your advent. It is the process to get you to an event. There are times in your life, and how many of you have been here before, when God says, hey, there's about to be a battle. And in that statement, there's two things that are, that's going on. There's an advent. One is God says, stay here and I'll fight the battle for you. The other is, go with me and I'll fight the battle with you. We love the first one. Because <laughs> we love to sit here and let God fight the battle for us. But how many of you know that many times in your life, you don't grow into the believer you're called to be unless you're fighting the battle with him, him not just doing it for you, right? And I'm not saying God ordains bad times to come into your life but I do know this every believer has gone through a bad time in your life because we live in a fallen broken world and in the midst of that God can say two things Joel stay here and I'll fight it for you or Joel come with me I'm going to teach you how to fight this with me and he cares more about your maturation than your preservation see some of y'all want to be preserved <laughs> and literally it's in the Bible it doesn't say preserved it's persevere I think some of us read it wrong, right? He, he cares more about your maturation than your preservation. He knows in your maturation, you'll become all that you're called to become. But a lot of us want to sit over here as, as a canned good and be preserved, not matured. Come on now. So your advent, your time of preparation for the celebration may not always feel like a birthday party. But you should always be able to throw a party because you know God's working on something. Yeah. Come on now. A, a lot of us don't like to party or throw a party in the midst of the worst time in our life. But the Bible says this. David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He was in one of the worst places he could be. And so the one thing he asked is, show me how to have joy. Throw me how to celebrate in the midst of my devastation. Yeah. See, if some of you would learn how to celebrate in the midst of your problem, because God is good no matter what your problem is, you would grow into maturation and you wouldn't stay in preservation. And my question to myself was this this week, Joel, why do you want to preserve the old you when God's trying to make a new you? This is why so many people love January 1st but hate January 5th because they've already dropped their New Year's resolution, <laughs> right? 
hey, here's a better thought. Don't even make one. Yeah. Right? Because when you resolve to do something, you'll surely fail. When God tells you what he wants to do in your life, you'll surely succeed. So why don't we just go with what God says about us for the next year, not what we're trying to do on our own for the next year. And back to my original point, why do you want to preserve the old you and who you are when he's trying you to mature you to become all that he's called you to be? And so in your advent, your time of preparation for the celebration, I don't want you to think of the cost, but I want you to think of the cost that's already been paid for you. Right? Here's the thing about the 21 days of prayer and fasting. You're going to hear me preach a lot about it. We're concerned about what it's going to cost us for 21 days, not what it costed Christ on the cross of Calvary. Right? I mean, seriously. Whenever we're going to step out by faith and do something amazing for God, we're concerned about it, what it's going to cost us, not what it costed him. And in my life, I've had to change my perspective because there's been some times in the past three to five years when the church has been in an amazing place and, and, and we could have just pulled the reins back and said, you know, we're just going to coast for a little bit. It would be a lot easier than co and coast for a little bit than to step out by faith and take that next step to see the church grow. To step out by faith and hire that next staff member because we're, we're going to continue to press forward and reach a people group that we haven't reached in our city yet. It would be easier to pull the reins back and say, you know, we're at a good place. And we're just going to hold off for a little bit. We're just going to stop what we're doing and enjoy the moment. But in doing that, we're not concerned about what it cost him, only what it would cost us. And if we're going to advance the kingdom of God, Joel can't be so concerned about what it's going to cost his flesh, but what Jesus already paid for in the flesh. And if I get so concerned about what it's going to cost my flesh and listen to my flesh, I'll never step out by faith because flesh and faith don't go together. <laughs> Whenever you step out by faith, you know it's going to irk your flesh, right? Whenever you step out by faith and forgive somebody, come on now. See, some of y'all are saying, I hope walk on water. So, no, your biggest step of faith is to forgive somebody, right? Whenever you step out by faith and forgive somebody, it's contrary to what your flesh wants to do. But when you do it by faith, it costs you something in the flesh, but you matured in the spirit because he already paid the cost for you to be able to forgive and to live a lifestyle that's empowering. So I want you, as you jump into this and as we jump into this message, believing God is our advent. It is the process that gets us to the event. And I believe this, that God is the God of the miracles, but he's also the God of the process. And if you'll trust the God of the miracle, you are then obligated to trust the God of the process. I'm a firm believer that God reaches more people in the process than he ever does in the miracle. I'm a firm believer in that. He reaches more people in the process than he does in the miracle. But some of y'all are saying, but Joel, what about when he fed the 5,000? That's an amazing miracle. Well, it actually was 15,000. And he reached 15,000 people. And the story's been rehearsed and more messages and preached on it than ever before. But what about when he raised Lazarus from the dead? That was a four-day process. He heard about it, didn't get to Lazarus until four days later. And in that, he ministered to all the people where he was at. He ministered to Thomas because Thomas, he said, hey, we're going to go back to where we were and we got to go through Samaria. And Thomas said, good, we'll go and die with you, right? That's Thomas. I love him. Thomas was changed. He gets to Samaria and the woman at the well ministers to her. A whole city comes to Christ. 
He gets to the place where Mary and Martha were. Everybody sees the miracle that was there. And I guarantee you more people were touched in the process, even though it costed Mary and Martha something, a four-day wait, than it did in the miracle that it cost the boy with five loaves and two fish something. I believe God touches more people in the process of your life than the miracles of your life. So I want you to learn to enjoy the process. Thus getting to what we're talking about this morning, an anointed mess. Now I want them to throw that picture on the screen real quick. An anointed mess. It's the one I put on Facebook this morning. Some of y'all have seen it. And in this... Can y'all relate to that picture at all or is that just me? Is that what your life seems like sometimes? My life. This is my anointed mess. You may can see something in it, but you don't think anybody else can see something in it. You know, and in this process, if that's what your life looks like, I want to encourage you because God can make an amazing message out of your mess, but here's the kicker. Will you hang on to his message until you get through the mess? See, we all love the term, oh, he can make a mess into a message. The issue is we're not willing to hang long enough onto the message to get us through the mess. Right? See, because you're thinking the miracle, not the process. Yes, he can turn a test into a testimony. He can make a message out of a mess. And we've all heard the cliche phrases, right? The issue is everybody in those things are thinking the instantaneous miraculous, not the process of it. I just read to you a second ago the account of Mary. And the account of Mary is amazing in the year 2018. The account of Mary back when Mary was going through this wasn't so amazing. It was a mess. Let me put it in real terms. A 13-year-old girl walks through the back doors of our sanctuary, comes to the front and says, Pastor, I've just seen an angel. He said I'm going to get pregnant by God. And I'm going to bear the son of him. You see what I'm saying? See, we're not so shocked in 2018 at a 13-year-old girl being pregnant. But a 13-year-old girl coming to the front of church saying she's pregnant by the Spirit of God and she's going to give birth to a son and he's going to save the world from their sins. Somebody's looking at the ushers like, y'all call Terrell? Bring him to the hospital. We got something going on. Pastor Jeff, could you minister to her with some people in your office for a little bit? <laughs> right? <laughs> See, the, the, the thing about Mary's life in the moment, it didn't look like a message. It looked like a mess. When the angel came and spoke to Mary, she had to have faith to say, let it be unto me according to your word. She had to believe that the word or the message would outlast the mess that it created in the moment. Are, are you with me this morning? See, some of you, God gives you a word and you step out by faith and it creates a mess. And so you quit on his word thinking God's word didn't work. No, when God's word comes in the flesh or the earthly realm, it's going to look like it messes something up. But it really is not messing anything up. It's the changing. It's the catalyst. It's the turning to get you to your destiny. But if you don't hang on to the message through the mess and quit because the mess is greater than the message, you're never going to make it to the end point of your life right. or the who God's called you to be. When God first called me to start a church, 
Well, let, let me go back to Mary for a second. And it doesn't stop there with Mary, okay? Visitation of an angel. Goes and tells people she's pregnant. <laughs> then her and her husband run off together for a couple years to another city, <laughs> right? And then they come back a few years later, and they go make a home in, in Cana and Galilee area, and people begin to say, well, how can all this be? If y'all are just now married, and you had a kid before you were married, <laughs> right? And then she's carrying this message that he will be the son of the most high God. He's Jesus the Messiah, the one who saved the world from their sin. And she's carrying this message all through the growth, the 30-year life of Jesus Christ before he's even done a miracle. You want to know why Mary was so excited for the wedding at Cana in Galilee? <laughs> Show them your God. <laughs> Cut this mess out. <laughs> see, see, we've never read the story like that before. We've never read it as a 13-year-old girl getting pregnant, the ostracism she would have faced from the community at large, plus the years after that, them running off to Egypt together, then coming back from Egypt together, and the message had to outweigh what looked like to them a mess in the moment. My question for you is this. Will you hold on to the message so long that it outlasts the mess of your life? And so many people in, in today's time are so quick to quit that we let go of the message and we gravitate back and try to fix the mess ourselves and say, God, abandon us. When God never abandoned you, if you will hold on to his infallible word, the word of God in your life, if you'll grab onto it with everything you've got and trust it, he'll get you through the mess. But can you wait even if it's a 30-year getting you through like Mary had to? Hmm. Can you grab so strong onto the message from God for you that it gets you through the mess of your current situation that you're in? And for some of you, it's different. For some of you, you get a message. He's got to get you out of your current mess, then get you into his plan for your life, which causes, in your eyes, another mess, right, to get you to the message. Some of you are in a good place. As you get the message from God, he's just got to get you into his place, which may cause a little mess in, in your life. For example, I'm just going to pick on somebody. Uh, who can I pick on? Who can I pick on? Who can I pick on? Ralph, can I pick on you? I, I love you, Ralph. Ralph comes to Lisa and says, Lisa, I've seen an angel. And it's accompanied, it's the visible sign of God for my life that the Holy Spirit's been working on in my life, that I'm called to quit everything and pastor a church in South Africa. Amen. Right? <laughs> I just love looking at their facial expressions. And if I were to, see, I can't do this to my wife because I had, had already had the church in me and started before, before, we, um, before we got married. So she kind of married into my mess, <laughs> right? Amen. Amen, come on. If that were the case, and Ralph began to tell all his clients at, at Proust and Associates that, hey, I'm quitting my job. I don't know what's going to happen to you. 
but I've heard the call of God and I've seen an angel and me and Lisa are packing up everything we got. We're going to South Africa and we're starting a church. Amen. See, we celebrate it because it was a word to Ralph. <laughs> we're like, you go, Ralph. I believe in you. <laughs> He's crazy, y'all. <laughs> he is nuts and lost it. See, the, the issue is some of y'all have heard God in a profound way. And you've abandoned the message because you didn't hang on long enough through the mess. See, when I planted the church, I, I created a mess in my life. And what I mean by that, it wasn't an ungodly mess. It, it messed up my current plans for my life. I had to quit a job I was at. I had to change the way I did things. I had to go back to school. I had to, everything got flipped upside down, or should I actually say everything got flipped right side up yeah. in my life. But in the moment, I had people telling me from the job I was quitting, I literally had somebody say this to my face, you're stupid. <laughs> Some of y'all are thinking, how dare somebody say that when you heard the call of God? Hey, when you're at a church for the first three years, and you got a total of nine people at the end of three years, <laughs> It did look stupid. But I had to hang on to the message and outlast the mess. Yeah. Because in that, God wasn't concerned with my preservation. He was concerned with my maturation. Yeah. Would I seek him when there was nobody so I wouldn't abandon him for everybody? Yeah. Right? right? See, he had to stir some things and fix some things in my heart. And so as I'm jumping into the message this morning, can you outlast the mess by holding on to the message and will you hold on to the message long enough for God to fulfill everything he promised through the mess? See, 2018 years later, we look back at the story of Mary, and we see all the prophecies through all the Isaiahs and Jeremiahs and the King Davids that prophesied about the birth and the coming of Jesus Christ. We're like, wow, that is so clear. How come they didn't see it? The same reason you don't see it till after the fact. Right. Yeah. till 20 years later. Can you outlast the mess? By hanging on to the message. Jumping into this, I want to talk to you. Every time there's something going to happen, there's going to be a meeting take place in your life. And the Bible says this in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. I want to spend a few moments on that word overshadow just for a moment. That term overshadow literally means this. To be more important or significant by comparison. See, a lot of us envision this, the Holy Spirit's shadow just coming on Mary, kind of like my shadow's over the plant, and, and, and life is birthed into her. The physical definition of that, not the spiritual definition, the physical definition is this. It means to, to be more important or significant by comparison. Are you going to let the message of God overshadow your current plans for your life? Become more important and more significant by comparison. He's not saying what you're currently doing is not important, but what he's called you to do is so much more important than what you're currently doing. It overshadows it to a point where it becomes everything to you. See, if you're going to get all the way to where God's making you into something, and you're going to hold on so much that the mess outlasts, outlasts the message, you've got to let the message overshadow your mess. It's got to become so important, so significant, rather than any other thing going on in your life, that your message from God makes you stop everything else and start working towards the calling of God for your life. 
Will you let his message overshadow your mess? Because the only way he's going to fix your mess is by letting his message, his unending word, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever, letting his message sustain you through the mess that you're in. And with the message comes a movement, and with a movement, God makes you into something. Now, throughout this whole series, we've had uh, John and Jeff tag team a message, Pastor Corey and Pastor Damon uh, tag team a message. I want to introduce to you um, Pastor Hunter Elliott. Come on up, Hunter, this morning. He's one of our recently ordained pastors. Y'all give him a hand clap this morning. I want him to take about the next seven minutes and preach on the next point of this message. I want to introduce him to you so you get to know his face. But he's on staff here at TWBC. So, Hunter, preach to us a little bit this morning. Amen. Hey, y'all give it up for our pastor. He's doing an amazing job. Absolutely love uh, everything we're hearing right now. So I'm just honored to be here with you guys. Y'all look good, man. I've never been up here and been able to speak to you guys on a Sunday. Y'all look good. You make me want to go put on a tuxedo or something. So I don't know. But so excited you guys are here on a Sunday. I would say that you are more anointed if you show up to the 830 service, but that would be not right. But you know, you're supposed to laugh. It's okay. But Ralph, it's more awesome to be able to preach to you before you go to South Africa. So I mean, I'm more honored than I could possibly be. But Amen. That's what I'm talking about. I will keep you here as long as the Spirit of God leads you here. Amen. Well, hey, thank you, Pastor Joel, again for this opportunity. I want to talk to you about the point, the movement. Will you look at your neighbor and say, the movement? The movement. I'm so excited about this because there's something so powerful behind this. You know, he's doing an amazing job talking about the message and mess, and you can turn your mess into a message, but also if you bring your message into the mess, it looks so beautiful. So I want to make it a little bit more clear in this sense. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, we've read it. It says, and Mary said, behold, she grabbed hold of it. She said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. There's something beautiful about walking out in a movement. And Mary saw the importance of two things. She saw submission and servanthood had to happen in this walk, in, in this vision that God had given Mary through the angel. See, as, Joel, as Pastor Joel said, it looked crazy. If a 13-year-old were to walk up and say that she was pregnant right now, we would think this was ridiculous, especially if God had told her that. Amen? Right? But we see that it could have taken over 34 years of Mary to be belittled and told that she was wrong and that Jesus is an illegitimate child and that she lied about it and that she was cheating on this amazing man named Joseph. But she stuck it out. She stuck out what was the movement and what was possible, and she was submissive, and she operated under servanthood to God. And it's a beautiful thing that we see, and I want to talk to you. You know, a lot of people pray, God, have your way in me as long as it's my way. I've prayed that prayer before without knowing it, but a lot of times we, pr we pray this special Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 prayer, Lord, wherever you want me, send me and I'll go. Has anybody ever prayed that, or am I the only one? Plenty of times, right? And a lot of times we, we put it even on t-shirts. I have a t-shirt at home, actually, for mission trips. God, send me and I will go on a mission trip. But I want to put in your mind for a second, what if, what, what if when we ask God to send us, he's never actually called us to leave the building we're in? If we ask God to send, it, to send us wherever we go, a lot of times when we ask and tell him that we want to serve and we want to operate in submission and servanthood, Maybe it's 50 feet outside the worship center to the right in the men's restroom to unclog a toilet. 
Maybe it's to sign up and say, I will be a greeter for the next eight months because I hear God telling me I need to learn how to love people and smile. Amen. Maybe it's God telling me that I just walk across the street from my house and I love the people that are right in front of me. Maybe my mission field is home before I leave and go be home in a completely different country. And that mission trip actually wrecks me more than it wrecks the people there because I realized that I needed to love the people that are in my country. Can I get an amen? I'm encouraging you. I'm not beating you up, but I am telling you a lot of times our servanthood is very beneficial when it's for us. A lot of times, it, it sounds like fun when Pastor Derek wants to play the drums and serve on the drums because it, he likes the drums, amen? Yeah. But oh, I love Pastor Derek because he loves to serve anywhere you send him. But what if, you, what, if, what if you ask God to send you where he wanted you to go? I guarantee you he would put you in the place that you needed to go. And if I could just say real quick, I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to tell somebody, your life can't be too much of a mess for you to serve under him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You, you, can't be in, uh, you can't operate under servanthood in submission, not because you're too much of a mess, but he will use anybody that is open and willing to come that way. And I guarantee you, if you operate in servanthood and submission, he'll actually transform you into the place he wants you to be. Yeah, servanthood and submission, it's, the submission, it's, it's simple. It's, Lord, whatever, it, whatever your will is, whatever it is, whatever you tell me to do, your will be done. Servanthood, it's not slavery. It's not surrender. It's empowered obedience. One thing I love that the Holy Spirit showed me, obedience, it awakens the kingdom of heaven within you. When you say yes to God, uh, we learned at Bible school, if you say yes to the first time God told you to do something, you'll hear him the second time right after that. Amen? But if you missed it, it's okay. You can always step right back into this place of servanthood. It's, it, you don't have to become this slave. You don't have to beat yourself up if you messed up. God is not that way. You're a son that comes to him, and you're an empowered obedience, and you watch the kingdom of heaven move in your life like never before. And that's what Mary did, and I love it. She said, I am a servant of the Lord. And she was ready to do whatever God had called her to do. She was ready to take on any battle that he had called her to do. So I guarantee you, I, I can look across this entire congregation, and I know where God has called you to go. And what he has called you to do, you could do it. Yeah. Because you're not carrying around a Messiah. The way she did, at least. Now you get to carry him as he's part of your life. Amen? Amen? Which is so much easier. When we recognize letting the vision of God be bigger than us by comparison, which is the definition of overshadowing, which we just had heard from Pastor Joel, there is an empowerment to carry God's word for you to fulfillment. It's so much easier to walk. When, when you walk in empowered obedience, when you say yes to servanthood, and when you say, God, your vision is so much bigger than my vision, and your vision, you calling me, if it is to pastor a church, which I've come across a couple people in this church, but God, I trust you, and I'm not trusting myself, or if it's God, I'm trusting you that I will serve coffee for the next six months. As boring as that sounds, and as much as I'm not a morning person, no matter how many cups of coffee I have, somebody say an amen. But... If you serve him with an empowered obedience and you say, it's not about me, it's not my will, but it's yours, but yours be done. There's some kind of a reward that he will give you for that. Amen. Jesus himself had to submit to servanthood and submission. He himself did it. And it's a beautiful thing. I saw this. The Holy Spirit showed me this last week in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. And it's whenever he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And it's one of the most humble times I see Jesus. I mean, he's humble in the entire time of the Gospels that we see. But it's just a beautiful picture. He's on his knees. 
and he's praying to God, and he says in Luke 22, 42, he says, Lord, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus himself, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, we saw so many miracles that he did before this upcoming moment, and he said, God, not my will, but yours be done. And we obviously know what happened after that. He got arrested, was beaten, abused, went and hung on a cross. But because I, I, I firmly believe, because his mother modeled what submission and servanthood looked like long before he was born, he saw this is possible. I believe his mother planted a seed. She sowed seed into a, into, of, of submission and servanthood into the ministry of her son. Because I don't see how Jesus never asked, how was I born? I don't see that it was just this confusing thing. I believe Jesus knew that he was the son of God, amen? And Jesus knew what his purpose was, amen? Otherwise, this prayer would have never been done, amen? But Jesus himself saw the importance of submission. He, he, Jesus himself saw the importance of servanthood. And he set himself on the cross. Mary's encounter with this angel <clears throat> was an advent not just to an, an event, but to the event. To Jesus himself as the event, amen? Yeah. Jesus himself was the event. Jesus himself came down, and he, his only event was not just him being born, but his ministry, his life, on the cross, the resurrection. His event, you can't spell movement without event. Literally, you can't spell movement without event. Actually, the last letters that you have is mom. Nothing important, it's just kind of funny and cool and interesting. But you can't, you can't spell movement without even. See, Jesus, the event himself had to come on this earth because of the expectation of his mother, of the preparation of Jesus to come to celebrate the Lamb of God who, was, who has come to be slain before the foundation of the world, who has come to take away the sins of the world. He came on this earth to create a movement for you, for me, and everybody else to come. See, the movement is not just his life on earth. His movement is not just dying on the cross, dying for your sins, resurrecting from the dead. It's not just him coming at Pentecost and giving you the Holy Spirit with power. It's not just you operating in the gifts of the Spirit. The movement is everything about Jesus, and it never ends. It's a never-ending movement. And whenever he comes back, that movement does not end. When you go to heaven, that movement does not end. Because of his sacrifice on this earth, that movement will forever operate in your life. Can I get an amen? Give God a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. Jesus didn't sell himself into slavery, but he stepped into the most empowered obedience he possibly could. And he took away every sin in your life. He called you forgiven. He's called you free. He has called you redeemed. And his blood has set you free for the rest of your life. There's not another offering that can make you free like his blood did. And that's what empowered obedience will do for him. And empowered obedience could set you free. It could take you higher and further than it ever could before. And all you have to do is submit and serve where he's called you to serve. Yeah. Can I get an amen? amen? Hey, thanks for letting me speak to you guys. Will you welcome up your pastor? He's going to close us out on this. Love you guys. Bless you guys. So God's got a big event planned for your life. I truly believe that. But are you going to outlive the mess with the message? And you've got to get a message from him. And I want to encourage you with this. The word of God has to turn into a word from God to you. Yeah. 
Did, did you catch that? We can sit here and read the word of God all day long. But until the word of God turns into a word from God to me, I'll never have a message. Therefore, I'll never have something that will outlive my mess. And if I never have a message, then I'll never get to a movement. And I love what he said, and, and, and he was kind of saying it as a joke, but you can't spell movement without event. A lot of you want to get to the event with no movement, right? Yeah. right? That's what I love the prayer they pray. God, have your way in me as long as it's my way, <laughs> right? God, I'll go all around the world if I can stay right here and go all around the world, right? I'll have all, I'll do all that you want me to do, just don't make me move, <laughs> Right? No, you got to have a message, but then you're going to have movement if you're ever going to make it to the event. So I want you to make something of yourself. And what that means is make something by having the word of God turn into a word from God to you. And here's the biggest uh, thing that we face in the body of Christ today. It's are you trying to offer God an offering that you don't have? And I want to explain what I mean by that. Oh, God, I'm going to give you this great offering. <laughs> but, but you never had it to offer. See, God's not looking for what you don't have. He's looking for what you do have. And what I mean by that, God, if you'll just give me the gift of singing, I'll offer that gift to you. He's not looking for you to offer him a gift of singing if you can't sing. Come on. Everybody can worship, so he is looking for your gift of worship. Amen. I'm going to qualify that. Joel can't sing, but Joel can worship, right? So he is looking for my gift of worship, but he's not looking for my gift of singing. And y'all shouldn't be either. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But if you're going to ever get to where you're making something out of your life that outlives the mess, that you're going to have to get a message, and there's going to have to be some movement. And movement is this. It is surrender, like he said, and, and it's submission. It is empowered obedience. See, Joshua, we always marvel at the battle of Jericho, but notice he didn't try to offer his gift of leadership before Moses passed away. He didn't have an offering to give yet. It wasn't until Moses passed away that God looked at Joshua and said, Joshua, Moses is dead. God doesn't spend a lot of time on dead things, by the way, right? He doesn't spend a lot of time on dead things unless he's going to resurrect it. And so if God isn't resurrecting it and he said it's dead, leave it. Notice Joshua didn't sit there and moan and say, oh, please rise Moses from the dead. Please bring him back to the dead. He said, no, he's dead. Now you lead my people. So now Joshua got a message that he had to hang on to to outlive his mess of leading a group of people that was rebellious, disobedient, been wandering for 40 years in the desert to outlive his mess, to bring them into the greatest battle, crossing the River Jordan into a place called Jericho. I guess I'm preaching myself happy this morning. <laughs> See, a lot of us marvel at these greats of old, but we forget that they had to get a message that got them through their mess, but they had to start at a movement in it before they were able to make something of themselves. And it's no different for you in your life. You've got to have a message from God. You've got to have the word of God turn into a word from God to you. See, Mary knew the word of God, and she knew the words of the prophet. It wasn't until the angel showed up and said, you are the chosen one. Did the word of God turn into a word from God to her? Yeah. And then with that word from God to her, she had to hang on to it, behold, grab it with everything she had, and let it outlive her mess with the message that she had to get into a place of movement. And when she got into a place of movement, God made something out of her life. With you, it's no different. So the first thing is offer what you have, not what you don't have, or not what somebody else has. 
Oh, God, if you give me the great ability to, to do what, what Jeremy and Crystal Scroggins do in their life, I'll be glad to offer it to you. God says, I've already given you something. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. I got great and mighty plans for your life. I got, prom I, got, I got a plan to give you a hope and a future. Notice he just didn't give you one without the other. He said if he gave you the hope, he'll bring it to pass into the future. <laughs> but you got to hang on to the message to get you through the mess to get you to your future you. And when you get to the future you, you're going to begin to live it out and he's going to make something out of you. The other thing is, don't offer what you don't have. And the second thing is this, quit comparing yourself to somebody else. Quit comparing yourself to somebody else. I love some of these amazing churches that are all over the world, not just in America, but some of these amazing churches all over the world. You can watch them on TV. You can get their Facebook clips. They're all great. But the day that I start comparing TWBC to one of these other great and amazing churches, whether it be a mega church or a church our size, the day I start comparing us is the day I begin to become in competition with somebody else's offering and somebody else's message, and forget my message. See, we don't want TWBC to be like any other church. If we wanted it to be like another church, I would close the doors and say, go join that church. But God's got a specific calling for TWBC in the Northeast Texas area and around the world, and it's a niche that only we can fill, and so I'm not trying to offer somebody else's offering. I don't care how great of a pastor they are. I love listening to some of these guys. They're great. They give me great wisdom, knowledge, and insight. But I'm not trying to become what they are. Mary couldn't decide she was going to be a normal mom. Right? Some of y'all are like, I've never thought about the story of Mary this way. I can't tell if you're just in culture shock right now or what's going on. But here's the deal. Mary had to decide she couldn't be a normal mom. She was raising the son of God. You've got to decide. You can't be a normal person. You're birthing something from God himself. Right. It's on the inside of you. He's going to deliver you a message. You've got to hang on to that message to get you through your current mess, whatever it is, and the mess that it creates, yeah. do, do you hear me, to get you to the fulfillment of it so 20 years later people can look back and say, wow, I'm so glad he listened to the message from God on his life to get him out of his mess into where he's at. Yeah. And I'm going to close with this. And worship team, if you guys want to come. What if, Pastor Corey, what if, Miss Laura, Pastor Damon, what if they never believe? What if they never believe? What if they never believe your message? John, what if they never believe in the ministry God's placed in your life? What, what if they never believe? And I'm not talking about uh, lost people. I'm talking about church people. What if church people never believe in the message God gave you for your life? Will you still hang on to the message to get you through the mess long enough to let it become into fruition, not to prove them wrong, but to say you were able to live in empowered obedience? Mary had the same trouble. When Jesus started doing miracles... They said, who is this? Is this not the son of the carpenter? They still didn't believe he was the son of God. He was doing miracles, and they still called him the carpenter's son. Do we not know his brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Do we not know all his sisters? Do we not know him? Is he not the one who was raised with us? They still didn't believe he was the son of God. What if they never believe? What if they don't believe?
Frank, believe it or not, I still have people waiting on TWBC to fail. Oh, just wait. We've seen these churches spring up overnight. Last time 18 years was overnight, let me know, but, <laughs> right? Oh, we don't know what they're doing out there. Right? You've heard it. If you've come here, you've heard it. Promise. Some of you, you were told this. You can go to any church you want, just don't go to TWBC. I've been told this. I, to my face, I've been told this. Damon, what if they don't believe? What if they don't ever believe in the message that you're living and it's already outlived your mess and you're seeing great fruit from it? We're not where we're destined to be, but we're definitely not sure where we started at. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We're right here on the pathway to going, but they're still waiting for you to fail. What if they never believe? April, what if they never believe? What if people are still waiting on your marriage to fail, Ronnie and Hope? What if they never believe? Will you hang on to the message long enough to get you into movement, to get you out of your mess, to get to where God can make you into something if they never believe? And I'm not trying to end the message on a, on a somber note. But I am trying to end it on a sober note. Where I'm not telling you you walk out the door and everything's roses from this moment on. I'm telling you, will you grab hold of the message long enough that it will outlive your mess to bring you to the hope in the future that he's promised you? Because remember, you got that hanging in your house for the know I plan, you know the plans I have for you? You know you got Jeremiah 29 and 11 in your house somewhere. <laughs> Can you grab onto that message long enough to outlive your mess and you'll start seeing movement, which will seem to create another mess. But it's moving you past you to get you to the you he's making you into. Because I do believe people in this room, not necessarily Ralph, who is a great example. And if you do have a church in South Africa, bro, I'm, I'm all for you. But I do believe there are people in this room who have ministries that will go around the world. I do believe there are people right here in this house this morning, not the people who aren't here, but the people who are here, that God's got a ministry in you and you know it, but you're too afraid of the mess that it's going to create. And will you grab onto his message and outlive your mess and plant whatever he's calling you to plant right here in this house by cleaning restrooms like Pastor Hunter said, praise God, thank you Jesus, or South Africa. What's your message this morning?